Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. So much of Judaism revolves around gratitude. In the last lesson about gratitude, we started with the beginning of time, how Adam, instead of being grateful to God for giving him a wife, a helpmate, he blames God for the problem of the sin of the forbidden tree of knowledge. And from that time onward, gratitude was a focal point of Jewish life. So many places in the Torah highlight the importance of gratitude. But let's try to delve a little bit more deeply in trying to understand what exactly is gratitude and when is gratitude expressed properly and when improperly. People who express gratitude are people who are not governed by their ego. People who cannot be grateful, it's because of their ego. And we know that the root of all evil is the ego. It's not money, the root of all evil. Ego, inflated ego, is the most serious problem. And gratitude is an expression of one's ability to surrender one's ego, to acknowledge that there's another. You're not the only one. We're not the only one. I want to focus on four different aspects, dimensions of gratitude. What will distinguish between true gratitude and perhaps a fake gratitude or a gratitude that is inadequate. Let me go back to the prayer of Modani, which we spoke about in the last class. Modani is the prayer that we say when we wake up in the morning. The very first thing that we say when we wake up in the morning is Modani, which means, as they translate, I give thanks. But that's not really what it says because the syntax in Hebrew is different. The I and give thanks are inverted. Moda, thanks, ani, I give. First the thanks and then the I. The focus of gratitude cannot be the I. You know, in English, an I is always capitalized. In Hebrew, there's no such thing. You cannot capitalize the I. The focus cannot be, I am grateful to you. I, the great, important person, I'm showing how I could acknowledge your existence as well. So the way you're acknowledging the other person's existence is with your own ego. So it's not really true gratitude. And it's interesting to note, and this is a subject for another time, that people who are grateful are happy people. People who have inflated egos cannot be happy almost by definition, because if you have an inflated ego, everything that you have, everything that someone gives you, everything that's in your possession, you expect. I deserve this because look who I am. So there's nothing to make you happy because whatever you have, you feel you're entitled to that and perhaps even more. A person who is humble, whose ego is not out of control, is a person who is happy and therefore they can be they can be grateful for, because every little thing that they have is a bounty, is something, I don't deserve this, I'm not, I didn't expect this, and I'm grateful 
and I'm appreciative, and I'm happy that I got it. So that's the first rule, that the, it has to be not a capital I. The focus on the I has to be diminished. Moda, thanks, ani, that I give. But it's the I recognizing that I'm not the only thing here. There's much more to the world and to my life than myself, and I am acknowledging that. Now, there are certain times where a person will express gratitude, and there's no ego there, at least it doesn't seem that way, but they don't say to whom they are grateful. There's no direction. They'll say, I am grateful for my good health. I am thankful for my sustenance, for my good job, for my family, and who knows what else. Now, that sounds like the person is really grateful, and they emphasize over and over again, and they don't focus on the I. The focus is on the gratitude. But there's something missing. <clears throat> to whom are they thankful? When a person just says, I am thankful, what essentially they're saying is that I feel good about my good fortune. The whole idea of gratitude is the acknowledgement of another, someone outside of yourself. But if you are just saying, I am thankful, and you don't mention to whom you're thankful, what you're essentially saying is you're, you're glorifying your own happiness and your own good fortune. So even though you use the word thanks and gratitude, it's not really true gratitude because there's no other to whom it's directed. Now, I know that a person will say to me, look, you're a little bit too harsh. It's really shorthand. When a person says, I am grateful that I have a good job, obviously they mean they're grateful to God or they're grateful to their employer or they're grateful to a friend who got them the job. They just are using shorthand. And I believe that that's true in many cases, but it's still not enough because you have to verbalize every aspect of your gratitude. And I'll tell you why you have to verbalize it. It's not enough that that's what you mean. That's your, we have to assume that that's what you mean. Because even if that's true, the gratitude is shallow. Because we know that anything that's not natural, anything that is counterintuitive to the person, if you want to counter that, you have to use a force that is going to reinforce the gratitude aspect. A person, because everyone has an ego, and people don't like to acknowledge that they're not everything, there's something else outside of them. Not all people, of course, but many people are like that. So even when they're grateful, they try to get away with as saying as little as, as they can regarding the other person, the other entity to whom they are grateful. When you say, when you verbalize, you vocalize the words, I am grateful to God, I am grateful to my spouse, I am grateful to my children, I'm grateful to my friends, to my neighbors, whatever it is, by verbalizing it, that reinforces it, that strengthens it, because we know that the power of speech is such that anything that you really believe in, when you say it, it reinforces it. When you say it, it brings out a deeper level of conviction than if you just had it in your mind. So even if you are using shorthand, it's important that you emphasize, I am grateful to X, Y, Z. 
And then the gratitude has authenticity to it because you're focusing on the other. It's not just something that it's assumed, but it's actually pronounced. So that's point number two. Point number one is that the focus cannot be the I. No matter which word you use first, you could say I thank you because that's the way it's done in English, not thank I you. But the focus cannot be on that I. It cannot be a capital I. And the second point is you have to direct your gratitude. Say to whom you're grateful. A third aspect of gratitude to make it real, and this is that there has to be specificity. You have to be specific about what you're grateful about. You can't just thank everyone for everything equally. Everything that you do in showing gratitude to someone has to be connected to the benefit. In other words, it can't just be generic. can't just say, I am thankful to so-and-so for all the good that he has done for me. Yes, you could say that, but it should also be followed when, when possible with a specific aspect of gratitude. You sent me this camera. You gave me this gift. I want to thank you for that gift. That gift was wonderful. Show the person, if you're dealing with gratitude to a person, but the same thing applies to God, show the person that you appreciate their choice of the gift. You're not just thanking them in general because they were good to you, they gave you a gift, but you're actually thriving, you're actually enjoying the specific gift. That makes the gratitude more authentic and it makes it deeper. I'll give you an example. You get a gift, and before you even open it, just the fact that the person gave it to you, you say, thank you so much. Then you open it, and you see what it is. It's a beautiful uh, piece of jewelry. And you say, oh, thank you so much. This is so wonderful. You just thanked them before, before you opened up the package. Why do you have to thank again? It's not the different package. It's the same package. Because when you thanked him initially, it was a generic thanks. You were saying thank you for the gift. What the gift was, you don't know yet. You can't say thank you for the specifics. When you open and you see it, you then say again thank you. Because now the gratitude is more specific and therefore more profound. It has much more, carries much more weight. It's interesting that in the laws of blessings that we say for food, each type of food has its own blessing. You eat bread, you say the blessing, Hamotzi lechem in ha'aris, the one who produces bread from the earth. You drink wine, you say a blessing, Bara Priya Gafen. You eat cake, you have Bara Mine Mizonoth. You eat fruit, Bara Priya Eitz. You eat a vegetable, Bara Priya Dhamma. Every food type has its own blessing. And the Talmud makes a point of emphasizing that, that every you have to thank God for every separate thing and focus on the individuality, the specificity. Sorry about uh, the specificity of that particular thing. Then it's real gratitude. Now it's interesting that when when the Talmud speaks about vegetables, there are different kinds of vegetables. There are green vegetables, the leafy vegetables, and other vegetables. Well, one of the opinions, Rabbi Yehuda says he should be a little bit more specific and make a separate blessing for leafy vegetables. 
And it's interesting that the author of that opinion is Rabbi Yehuda. And if you remember in the first class, Yehuda, which the Jewish people are named after, were called Jews, Yehudi, comes from the word gratitude. Because when she bore Leah, the matriarch Leah bore Yehuda, her fourth son, she says, now I will thank God. I'm giving God special thanks. So the whole idea of Yehuda is gratitude. So it's interesting that the person who says to be even more specific than is required has a name that highlights the idea of gratitude. Now, there is one blessing that we say after eating certain generic foods, after drinking water, after uh, eating a fruit or a vegetable, after finishing, if you ate a requisite amount, the size of an olive, there's another blessing that you make. It's a generic blessing. And the Talmud says, interestingly, that this generic blessing is not a real blessing. It's a non-blessing. And what does that mean? It's either a blessing or it's not a blessing. So one of the medieval sages known as the Rashba, a 13th century sage, explains that the reason why it's called a non-blessing, which is a relative term, of course it's a blessing, is because it's not specific. It's a general statement of gratitude to God for all that he gives us. So because it's not specific, it's not considered to be a full-fledged blessing. So then the question is, why would the rabbis make us say a generic blessing if it's not a full-fledged blessing? And the answer is that this is another aspect of gratitude. Even when you don't really see what's so special about that which you just did, but because it's a gift from God, you're still grateful. Even if you can't appreciate it that much, because it is a generic thing, it doesn't have any real specific quality, a significant specific quality, you're still grateful. So you see, whichever way we go, there's a different way, different nuances of gratitude. If it's specific, there's something special about it specifically, you thank God for that. If there's nothing special about it specifically, just thank God generically is also a form of gratitude. Gratitude has to grow. It's not enough that we're grateful and we're specific, and we direct our gratitude towards God or towards the benefactor, whoever it may be, and that there's no focus on the I and the ego, this, this, which is wonderful because this is an exercise in refinement. The gratitude that we express refines us, makes us better. But because of that, gratitude never stays in one place. It always grows. It always changes. There's a famous story Rapsadya Gaon, 10th century, great sage, the greatest sage of his period, known for his Talmudic scholarship and his philosophy. He was like the Maimonides of his time. Many ways, many parallels are drawn between him and Maimonides. And one of his students once discovered, it was time of the year, I think, that people engage in introspection, the month of Elul, that he was engaging in some type of self-mortification, like he was really punishing his body as a form of penance, without going into whether that's an accepted norm of, of repentance. There is a trend in Judaism that focused on penance. At any rate, he was engaged in that, and the student discovered him in that position, and the student was dumbfounded. He says, Rabbi, of all people, you have to do such penance? You're such a saint. Why do you have to engage in self-mortification? 
And Reb Sadia Gaon said, I'll tell you a little story, an anecdote, and that will help you understand. I was once visiting a town far away from my hometown, and I needed a place to stay. So there was an inn owned by a local Jew, and I went to the inn, and he gave me a comfortable bed and a nice, good, nutritious meal. He treated me very nicely. He didn't overcharge me, and everything was fine. I was very happy. And uh, I thanked him, I paid him, and that was it. Uh, a while later, I came to the t town as a scholar in residence. I was invited by the community leaders to deliver lectures on various aspects of Jewish law. And the whole town was abuzz when I came. And when I came to the synagogue to speak, and the innkeeper was there, I could see that he was like beside himself. And after I finished the speech, he came over to me and he prostrated himself and he said, please forgive me. I said, forgive you? For what? And he said, when you came to me months ago, I didn't give you the honor you deserved. I didn't know who you were. I didn't know that you were the great Sadia. And Rabbi Sadia says, well, you treated me fine. I was very happy. The food was good. The price was right. The bed was comfortable. And he says, no, but if I knew who you were, I would have given you that much more honor. The same Reb Sadia said about his relationship with God. Even though I asked God for forgiveness in the past, and God certainly forgave me, but my understanding and appreciation for God was very limited. As I grew older and my understanding of God and appreciation for him grew, became more sophisticated, I felt I didn't do enough to show that I'm sorry for what I did wrong. If I knew how great God is, if I, have the, if I had the understanding then as I have now, I would have been so much more devoted. I would have been so much more intensely involved in this process of tshuva, of repentance. So that's why now, because I grew so much in my appreciation for God, I also have to realize that I have to do much more tshuva, much more intense tshuva. The same thing I think we could apply to gratitude. Usually when you're grateful to someone, the first time you show gratitude, you're really effusive, you're, you're animated, you say, I'm so thank you so much. But afterwards it becomes uh, routine. You know, the gratitude, they give you this, the gift the next day, the same gift the next week, the next month. You know, the gratitude is not as, not as uh, intense, not as pronounced, but that's wrong. The more we think about what that person did for us, even if it's not repeated, the gratitude has to grow because we have to develop a deeper appreciation for what that person did and for that, or if it's God for sure, what God did for us. Gratitude can never stay in one place. So these are the four rules of making gratitude authentic. The focus cannot be on the I. The focus has to be on the gratitude, on the acknowledgement of the other. Number two, it has to be directed to someone. I'm grateful to X, to God, to this person, whoever it may be. Then the gratitude is real. It's not just a platitude, not just something to say because that's the convention of society. It's because you really 
are grateful. And number three, you have to be specific. You have to say, if, if it's possible, thank you for this particular gift. I really love this gift. I appreciate it. Show them that you're gra grateful, not just for the concept of a gift, the gesture of a gift, which deserves gratitude in and of its own, but even for the specific aspect of that gift. Yes, sometimes someone will send flowers. Now, you may not like and care for flowers, but you're grateful for the gesture. But in addition to the gratitude for the gesture, you also have to show specific gratitude for that specific thing. And number four, the level of gratitude has to grow with time. The more you think about it, the more grateful you have to become. And not to think, well, you know what? I was very thankful to that person, but really the gift was not that great. It was, a, it was a gadget that broke soon after I got it. It was a cheap thing. It was not really mean, that meaningful. No, the gratitude has to grow because you have to be able to divest yourself from your own ego and thereby see the value in what the other gave you because we tend to minimize things because it's not satisfying to us. But if you're thinking about the other, the gratitude certainly doesn't get less, doesn't diminish on the contrary, it increases. And that is especially true when we're expressing our gratitude to God for everything that God gives us. And the ultimate gratitude we will show in the Messianic age, as I mentioned in the last class, we will be bringing a special Thanksgiving offering. But that Thanksgiving offering has to be accompanied with a real deep appreciation of all the great things that God has given us. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.